Hello, all you reinventors out there. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I am your host of Reinvent Yourself. Don't ever say you are too old to do whatever is in your heart, because Mary Lou Heater will show you that you are dead wrong. She started out very young, never even finished her original degree. She did one year of college, couldn't even finish it up, and she couldn't even finish her associate's degree because of getting married early, all this stuff like that. And then at the end, she has an alphabet soup of acronyms after her name. And the last one is she became a, she's a, a staff nurse in, in psychiatry. And she just told me on the podcast, which I didn't even know, that she also had applied to law school and that she was going to go to law school and she's uh, well into her 60s. But she decided that when she went to orientation that the law school wasn't going to give her what she wanted. So she said, hell with that. And she dropped out. So it is never too late. And you are just going to love hearing from this wonderful woman, Mary Lou Heater. So Mary Lou, I'm so glad we've got you on the phone today. It's been one of those quirky days with technology, but at least we got you, which we're so excited about. Yes, thank you for inviting me to join the podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, when I put out a call for really interesting reinventors, you raised your hand, which I love. And why don't you, I mean, not a lot of your story has been told. So why don't we talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and how you, let's start first with where you grew up and, and what you started out doing in the very beginning. Okay, well, I was raised in New Jersey, and in an era that I consider for uh, young women and girls, that part between Doris Day and Gloria Steinem, um, <laughs> kind of, you know, so my, I wanted to be a teacher, I wanted to be a writer, and maybe a lounge singer, um, but my high school boyfriend, he couldn't get into any particular college. So I went off with him to a junior college and we went together. I completed just one year of an associate's degree in teacher education, met a sailor, got married and ended up in Toledo, Ohio, which ironically is where Gloria Steinem hails from. Um, it took me 25 years, uh, divorce, remarriage and moved to Texas before I actually completed that first associate's degree. And but when I entered the, the job market with just one year of unmarketable skills coming out of, you know, basically just teacher education, I did find a, uh, an employment agency that the guy was so great, he said, don't, uh, don't ever tell me you don't have any skills, you have a brain. So he got me into a couple of jobs and I stayed with one, uh, John's Manville, and that's eventually where I met my second husband and we transferred to Houston and uh, I stayed at the same company, but I went from working in accounting to into inside sales. And then after a while, I left that company and got into steel sales 
which I stayed for about 15 years. So right around 40, after I was in the steel business for a while, you know, you get that, am I doing the right thing? Am I giving back, you know? Um, and I started thinking about what I wanted to do, maybe do differently. I got hit by the, the new age wave, I call it, and started meditating and Ram Dass and crystals and Eastern philosophies. But at the same time, my, my husband had a lot of health issues and I became, because I was also 40, I was interested in the aging process. So I started reading about what Tufts was doing with um, exercise and aging and nutrition. I was reading Dean Ornish and what he was doing with reversing heart disease. My husband had heart disease um, and I was trying to help him, but I still didn't really know what I was going to do um with my life so i quit my job maybe not the smartest thing because a month after i quit my job my husband lost his job and for the year like 1993 we had if you looked at our social security statements we had zero income um but i started going back to school i wanted to complete that associate's degree that i started when i was you know 25 so i also took a a course in gerontology through the community college and I decided to get my uh, certificate in aerobics because I was then you know interested in fitness and like I was saying what was going on with Tufts and their research in biomarkers so I started an enterprise that I called uh, fitness first for seniors and I thought, okay, this is this is what I'm going to do. I got myself on a couple of TV shows, local shows, right up in the, the newspaper. Well, I'm not really a, an entrepreneur, I'm sorry to say, um, but I was still going to school and then was able to get, you know, some eventually some nursing jobs, you know, once I got my, you know, RN when I went back and, and did that. Because what, what I, just because I was good at what I was doing in steel sales, it wasn't, I was successful, but it, I knew that just because you're good at it doesn't mean that's what you're supposed to be doing. So it was later when I was in, uh, you know, graduate school that um, I was working on uh, concepts for a theory class uh, that was called dynamic equilibrium. It does sound a little new agey, you know, harmonic convergence and stuff like that. But what it really was is that I defined it as an organism, um, that an organism's fit into the cosmic puzzle, like how systems are fluid, that we're not just a puzzle piece that fits into, you know, the grand design because systems are fluid and equilibrium is a fluid process. So, I started working on that because I was working at that time with uh, the homeless population with substance use and uh, dual diagnosis and mental illness. And what we were doing, we were helping them get sober, we were getting them jobs training, we were getting them someplace to live and they would come back, they would fail. And we kept seeing this, I kept seeing this recidivism, and I'm thinking we're trying to make them fit into what we think their lives should be like instead of how, where they fit into, you know, their world. So 
you know, Joseph Campbell tells us to follow our bliss and the Quran tells us to follow path. Buddha tells us to follow our heart. And even, you know, Joel Osteen these days says, you know, God has a plan for us. So I was thinking, you know, what's my bliss, my path, my heart, my fit? What am I supposed to be doing? It didn't seem to be doing well in business. I gave it, you know, a good year in the fitness industry. Um, but that didn't come out, so I figured I'm not really that much of a, an entrepreneur. But then I finished eight years of school. And I thought, well, I'm going to try to be a consultant. I don't really want to go back into the corporate world again. And I became an independent consultant in different places around Houston. But again, if you looked at my, and these are, I guess, tips in advance, but if you look at my uh, Social Security income for the year 2000, I made exactly $20,000 that year. So when my husband was not working because of his health problems, although he was a, he was a big uh, cheerleader and my biggest supporter. So I was trying to figure out exactly where I should go. I also had an interest besides gerontology and aging. I was also interested in psychiatry. I had read Irving Stone's Passions of the Mind when I was in high school. I was always interested in resiliency and what, you know, what the mind does and how different people react to different stressors. So my first um, clinical rotation in Gerocyte, um, I went on to this unit and there was a guy staring out the window, this, you know, an older gentleman and he was looking at the cars and he was only talking in numbers and I'm going, wow, you know, I'm really hooked on this. So, and then I was torn between what did I want to do in nursing? I knew I was going to have to get a job and back in corporate somewhere in, in healthcare system. So. I didn't know whether I wanted to go into cardiac rehab or psychiatry, but I, I think as fates would have it, I ended up in psychiatry. So I've been in psychiatry now for over, you know, 20 some years, and I've had various um, positions from, you know, staff nurse to manager to I was a director of uh, behavioral health for a large healthcare system. I was in leadership. I think, as I said before, just because you're good at something, maybe that's, you know, not what you're supposed to be doing. So about, well, I guess it's four years ago now, um, my husband died. And I hadn't, I did complete my doctorate. I went on to, I pushed the pedal to the metal and, and went through from associates to bachelor's to master's. I started a doctorate program and then dropped out but then I went back um, in about oh I can't remember what year it was exactly but after my husband died um, right before that I had lost my job they had closed the clinic that I was working in and then like four days later my husband died and then two or three weeks after that I turned 65 so I'm going okay I'm senior citizen, widow, unemployed, now now what? Throughout most of, you know, the thread that had always gone through my life is I always thought I was going to be a writer. So I took some time and I thought, okay, I'm going to write. And that, you know, I gave that a good try to deal with the, the grief of the loss of my husband, who was my biggest cheerleader. And as Bette Midler would say, you know, the wind beneath my wings. Um, 
I took a grief course and I got, you know, certified as a grief specialist also not only to help myself, but to help some of my patients. So I thought, well, maybe that would go somewhere, but uh, that didn't go anywhere. Um, so I took a, a part-time job again as a consultant to this firm and that lasted about eight months. And then I said, okay, I'm going to retire. I'm just, that's it. So, but there was this really great book. I don't remember who wrote it. It says, women don't retire, we reinvent themselves. Maybe you had part in that book, I'm not sure. And I, and I said, I'm not, I don't really want to retire. I was talking to my primary care physician who's like two years older than me. And she goes, we don't retire. We don't play golf. We don't, you know, go out on boats. She says, this is what we do. We care for people. And I said, well, that's true, we do. So one of the companies or the agencies that I had worked for before asked me to, to come back, asked me if I was still interested. And now I'm 66 years old. And um, interestingly, when I did reapply, the psychiatrist that I was gonna be partnering with, he said, you know what HR said to me? Do you know how old she is? And he goes, because they were concerned that I was 66 years old. And he goes, he told them, no, I'm not concerned about that. I hope you don't put me out to pasture when I get older. So I've been back with this agency for um, a little over two years now. And what I, I think my, my goal and one of the things that I wanted to share with people is that to find your fit, um, find, you know, as Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. And it's not a linear path. And it's not a, um, like I said, equilibrium is a, is a fluid process. You know, it's not like you're the little blue puzzle piece that fits up into the blue corner in a jigsaw puzzle and bam, you know, you're, you're, you found your place in, in the cosmos because it's an ever evolving process. But when I, when I do um, my initial psych evaluations on patients, I don't ask everybody, but I ask a certain number. What did you want to be when you grew up? What, or even, what do you, even if they're 40 or 50, I said, so what do you want to be now that you've grown up? And a lot of people are taken aback by that, but, but then they start thinking about it. And, and this, this one young woman, not, uh, maybe three or four months ago, you know, she was like 26 or 27, and I think she had said she wanted to be a, you know, a social worker. And she says, but I'm too old to go back to school. So then I started telling her my story. I said, you know, I, of course, abbreviated, but that it's a, that you have to find your way and different things present themselves to you. And it's, it's like you, you know, there's a there's a philosopher named Polyani that says that um, we have intrinsic knowledge. That's knowledge before your senses analyze something, and so you know things. And I think that a lot of people know maybe the direction they're supposed to be going. They know when they're not on the right track. I I liked one of the things that you know Will Rogers said once, and I'm probably paraphrasing, but he says, just because you're on the right track, if you sit still, you're still gonna get run over by the train. So it is a, a constantly exploring. I didn't really know 
where I was going to go, what I was going to do, but I just kept trying different things. I did the aerobics. I did the, um, I did some consulting in, in neighborhoods. I worked with, you know, uh, I set up little clinics around, but I, I learned, I learned about me that couple of things. One, I'm not an entrepreneur, but I'm also, even though I'm good at leadership and I'm good at managing people, but that's not where my heart is. My heart is working with patients directly as a direct care provider. And that took me until I was 66 to say, this is what, this is what I want to do. So in saying reinventing yourself, what you have to listen to is maybe that voice inside you that is saying, you know, maybe you should do this, you know, maybe your talents lie here. Um, and that, that's, that's, I guess that's what I wanted to impart, that we all have to find our fit. It's not always something that's going to be right there in your face, um, but you have to explore your options. And maybe it wasn't the smartest thing I did just to quit my job. And then, you know, my husband lost his job and he never did get back into the corporate world because of his health. And then I went through all that schooling and thought, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. And then that, that didn't work out as well, but I always went, I was always able to to support the household. I always found work. I always found, you know, some way to to keep things going, but at the same time, trying to stay true to who I am and true to my path. So, Mary Lou, um, if you, there must be threads that run through. I mean, you've been up and down many times. You recount that you, you know, were down to zero or almost zero several times, right? Yeah. You figured out how to get yourself up and out again. Um, you also never decided to stay when you felt itchy. What is that? And why do you, I think a lot of people feel trapped and they feel like, like your friend said, the woman you were talking to, I'm too old to change. I've just got to suffer through this and not make a change. What do you think makes you different in that you decide to scratch the itch and the other people don't? Well, it's, it's going to be like a triple negative statement, but I never thought I wouldn't succeed in something even though I didn't. I always thought that something something would break through that something one of these things that you know I threw out and threw up against the like spaghetti on the wall that would stick and I guess I had faith in myself that like the employment specialist told me years ago that I, I do have a brain that it, I don't I do have marketable skills um, my husband always had faith in me. He wasn't all that excited when I quit my job and then he lost his job. So there's a little tension there for a while. But when I became certified as an aerobics instructor, I, I made enough money in different areas to, to pay you know, the bills. I can remember being mortified one time when the, when the mortgage company called me a deadbeat. But later, um, 
I, I listen to Susie Orman and her financial advice. I'm is a big uh, proponent of her listening to her shows. I followed almost all of her advice on how to manage my, you know, financial situation. I, I ended up being pretty good with money and I don't have any monetary concerns now, but I certainly did for a long time. But I always thought was always inside of me that I was going to succeed at something. And I eventually did, um, not just financially, but that I'm doing what I believe I was meant to do. Uh, I would say that, you know, they, they, there's a lot of talk and, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen, I read a lot. And there is an inner voice. People have an inner voice and you have to listen to that. And a lot of people are scared. I can understand it because of, especially now the, with the financial situation in the, in the world with this COVID-19. But I'll tell you, I have some patients who are, and I treat basically the socioeconomic lower, um, socioeconomic class, they don't have resources. But I have some of these patients that have managed to go out and get jobs when other people are not. They said, well, I had to do something. So I went to, you know, that food place and I got a job. It's not, you know, it's not the, the most money in the world, but I have to pay my bills. And I think that kind of an attitude too. And, and I, I listened to what you also said. I, I felt trapped in jobs too, because it was a time that I needed, I needed the insurance. I, and a lot of people need that. I needed the insurance for my husband's you know, health concerns. I was never so happy when he got Medicare and I could, you know, I could say, okay, I can take a breath and maybe get into a job where I don't have to stay because I need that insurance. But uh, that, that I would say, I do have, I have left a lot of jobs on principles, um, generally speaking. And, but this one, this one, I'm going to stay to the end. I re-upped my credentials until 2025 right now, so it's going to take me to 74. That sounds like a good one. <laughs> well, you know, and, you know, my, my boss is, uh, oh, she'll die if she ever listened to this, but she's, she's two years younger than me, and she just said to me on, you know, on Friday on the phone, she goes, we need more seasoned people like you. We need experienced people, and every." Whenever she starts talking about being old, I go, I'm older than you are. And she goes, no, you're only 50. And I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> but she's another one that's a, she's a powerhouse and she says the same thing. She's just going to keep working too, because this is what we do. We care for people. So talk a little bit about that. So talk about what you do now specifically. And let's talk about how that's going to change in the area era post-COVID. How do you see that profession adapting, changing? Because I think as we change, which we're going to have to, I don't think anything is going to go back to being exactly the same. I think there's opportunities for people to move in and change their jobs and reinvent themselves, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Especially with um, telemedicine, telehealth, um, a lot of people, are, what they have found, and we found it in our industry too, that just what I'm doing with you now, talking, 
I talk to my patients on the telephone. And I, I'm a, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I, you know, I have a doctorate in, I always say I'm a doctor nurse. I do initial psych evaluations. I do med management um, with, again, with folks that don't have, it's a, it's a county program. We don't have a lot of resources. One of the big changes that happened with this is they loosened some of the regulations so that we can talk to patients on the telephone. We couldn't do that before. And that, that affords us a lot of um, flexibility in, especially people that don't have transportation. That is like one of the biggest problems with healthcare is people getting to their doctors, getting to their providers. And what they do, then what happens is what they can't get there, then they can't get their medications, then they're in crisis and they're back in the hospital. So one of the things that I hope, and they just asked us, we had a survey about this, and then I hope that this telehealth and telemedicine, there's more of that, especially to those that can't get to where they need to, to go. I, I've had patients say, just thank you for calling. Thank you for um, you know caring about me. I mean, I heard this woman tell me today, she goes, Stay safe. I want you to be my doctor. But I think that the other thing in in Texas, uh, nurse practitioners and advanced practice nurses don't have um, autonomy. We have to have a collaborative practice with the physician. Uh, several other states don't have that, and I'm hoping that that's gonna that's gonna provide um, if if things change in that area, and we can have an autonomous practice that people in the, especially rural areas where there's not a lot of physicians that nurse practitioners and and clinical nurse specialists can you know take care of the population that they don't need a, a, a physician or a psychiatrist there but i think what a lot of companies are going to find out at least from my perspective is a lot of the overhead you have for people that have to come into the office, I think there's going to be downsizing of corporate locations because I think they've found that a lot of people can work from home. Our doctors are working from home. I, I've chosen to stay in the clinic um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of them is that I don't have space in, in my place here to set up a whole other office. There's two of us that have remained in the clinic. But um, a lot of the, the social workers, the, the quality control people, the administrative people, they're either working from home or, you know, sometimes people are taking, uh, you know, like PTO pay time off because I think we're finding that you can streamline a lot of processes now that you weren't able to do. This is forcing corporations and agencies to look at exactly how uh, businesses are run because healthcare is a business. And I think there's a lot of opportunity out there for people who want to reinvent themselves to get into this, tel not only just telehealth, but remote working um, and being able to set up from, and don't be afraid of it, be able to set up from your home and do different things. Some organizations are doing that too. They're doing call centers for like the, the uh, pharmacies. They're doing call center work from their home. Uh, another patient is doing call center work from in, in IT. So 
there's a lot, I think, of opportunity and I think a lot of change that's going to come about because of COVID-19 and the effect it's had on the world. What kind of changes? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of repercussions and I would love to hear what you think being in the psychiatry field. Um, I feel like we're all just getting through this now as we're speaking. It's the end of May. Some places are opening up again. And I just wonder what you expect to be seeing on the other side. I feel like we've been holding our breath and just trying to get through. And what are you, are you expecting to see a lot of emotional issues, a lot of um, issues relating to loneliness and depression? Do you think we'll bounce out of it? What's your, what's your thinking? Uh, there is already more anxiety and depression. There are more people that tell me when I talk to them that they're isolating and then they're fearful. They don't know when they're ever going to come back out, when they're going to feel safe to come back and, you know, go to the store. I had a patient today tell me that he, he quit his job at a, a pharmacy um, because they didn't close and he was, he was afraid. He was afraid that he was going to get sick. And now he's stressed because he's at home and he's depressed because he doesn't have any income. And I, I see that it's going to be a long journey back um, uh, our agency has a, a call-in number for mental health. You know, if you, if you feel that you need to talk to someone, not just in crisis, you know, a suicide crisis, but just need someone to talk to. They've started a, you know, a mental health, you know, free of charge. You get to talk to social workers or, you know, a support person that you can just talk to. Because, you know, when, when people are depressed, they isolate. I mean, that's, that's what they do, and, and we're forcing people to isolate. So people that are already have anxiety from, say, social phobia, social anxiety, afraid of being around people, and or the depression, they are, they're not coming out, and their symptoms are intensifying. I mean, I've already seen it, and I think as you know, we go through the summer, and I'll tell you another thing, most of my patients <laughs> tell me that they think it's too soon. They've opened up things too soon. Um, and I know it's driven by the economy, and I understand that, you know, money, you know, makes the world go round, but, but people are also uh, afraid to come out. I, I'm, I myself, I don't know when I'm ever going to go back into a movie theater that I'm going to feel safe sitting that close to people. Um, and I, I see this, I hear it every day from my patients. And they already have, you know, uh, mental illness challenges. And, and think of the people that maybe are on the, on the cusp, you know, so to speak. I think if the statistics are one in four, one in five people in the United States have, you know, an, an episode of, you know, serious mental illness. So think of those folks that might have been, you know, just barely making it by, and then we put this on top of them, the stress of this. Um, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a long recovery, and I see a lot of things on Newsweek and Facebook, people talking about mental health and the support that's going to be needed. But, you know, I have to say this, you know, when, when there's 
there's gun violence and they, they call for mental health, you know, support when there's the Katrinas of the world and they need mental health. It seems like once the, once the, that episode ends or starts to abate, then the whole focus on mental health seems to, to disappear. Right. I hope that doesn't happen in this case. Right. Me either. And I think, I think there's going to be a lot of openings in the mental health area in terms of helping people. And um, it's just, it's going to be different. I think it's going to be different. And I think, I just think we'd have no idea what that's going to be. So I love the fact that you fit in so perfectly with our uh, tagline, which is we're for lifelong learners, which is what, you obviously are. It's so interesting how we just attract this same person who that's how we attack the world, this particular group of people. And it kind of works, you know, if you want to keep yourself interested and you want to keep moving forward or you meet an obstacle and you need to go around it, sometimes using your brain is the best way to do it. And so you've just been a wonderful example of that. And I so appreciate you taking your time and really spelling out for us, you know, the ups and downs and amazing um, things that you've done and congratulations. Well, I'll just say one thing and thank you, but I didn't even tell you that last year I applied to law school and was accepted. (laughs) You uh, did not say that. no, I know. I, I didn't put everything on that the CV, but that, but I did, again, going back to the fit, right? Oh, they weren't happy with me, but right as I finished orientation, I really wanted to study mental health law, and they weren't offering that, and I said, do I really want to slog through all the other law to get to what I want to, and then I, I decided to drop out. They weren't happy with me, but um, I'm still looking for something else that I'm going to continue somewhere in education because to me that that's the biggest key, you know, for all of us is to continue getting educated. Yeah, I think it's the way to go. Well, that's amazing. I love I love the fact that you went to law school too. Congratulations! Thank you so much for your time and for your inspiration, Mary Lou. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So thank you all for listening to Reinvent Yourself. I hope this was helpful to you. And I hope that Mary Lou made you understand that whatever you want to do, you can do it. It ain't over till you say it's over. And gosh, that is the spirit of reinvention that I hope will live in all of our hearts, especially as we plow through the new normal or whatever the heck it is that's in front of us. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I hope that you will please subscribe and pass this along to friends because we want everybody to have some help with reinvention. And I hope you'll come over to the Cubby Club and check us out over there. We have great content. We have events. We have virtual events. We have an app for private discussion. And we have live events when those come back too. So come join us at CubbyClub.com. And I hope to see you again next week.